This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of The Overcomers, God's Vision for You to Thrive in an Age of Anxiety and Outrage, written and narrated by pastor and best-selling author Matt Chandler, and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Welcome to The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture, brought to you by Dallas Theological Seminary. Welcome to The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture. My name is Kimberly Cook, and I'm the Senior Administrator here at the Hendricks Center. And today we're going to be talking about how to think Christianly about burial and cremation. And I am joined by Dr. Michael Spiegel, who is the Theological Department Chair Chair, and Professor. and has been a guest with us many, many times. times. Yes. yes, so thank you so much for being here. It's my pleasure. So you have been here so many times that you actually have reached out to us and suggested a topic for us today That's in right. this one. And what is it about it, about this area of discussion that made you say, hey, we really need to be addressing yeah. this? Yeah, this is a question that is going to come up. Um, as Christians, how do we uh, think about and how do we treat uh, the remains of a loved one after they're deceased? That's a everybody's going to face it. They're going to face it personally, mm-hmm. um, and they're going to face it with loved ones along the way. And so this question, the the statistics now is uh, cremation in the United States is is up to about fifty percent. So it's mm-hmm. it and it fluctuates depending on where you're at and and such. But um, it is clearly regarded as a viable option. There are a lot of reasons for it. And Christians, I've noticed, have not been able sometimes to navigate uh, the issues involved in that. And there's some strong opinions about it, which is understandable. Uh, and so I thought it would be a good um, uh, topic to discuss and give some people some things to think about. Mm-hmm. And it's such a, it's such a deep theological question with, with theological ramifications mm-hmm. that and in a situation where you have to be making decisions where you might not you're you know in yeah. grief your your mind and your heart and everything yeah, just isn't yeah, yeah. functioning quite like it always does and that's the that's a hard time yeah. to be having to sort through these kinds that's of deeper right. theological that's questions that's right and and people will make emotional decisions that's that's okay we're we're emotional beings mm-hmm. but it would be good if people have a chance to think through the the theological framework first uh, yeah. and that's really where we need to start where yes. what is the theology of the person and the body you hear you hear sometimes people say, well, it really doesn't matter, and they'll speak in terms of just you know, dis- disposing of the remains or getting rid of the remains because that's not really that person and it doesn't really matter what you do with it. Well, mm-hmm. that's not, as we'll probably discuss here, not a, really a Christian perspective of the body and of God's physical creation. So what are the theological, biblical principles that we need to keep in mind as mm-hmm. we are thinking through how to handle the dead and how even just to handle death mm-hmm, in general sure. as Christians. Yeah. And so uh, I think number one, we have to start out with surprisingly a proper understanding of, of creation, uh, mm-hmm. a good theology of creation that uh, God is the creator of heaven and earth, of things visible and invisible, not just the God of our souls and our spirits. And so uh, he created our bodies and we, he created this physical creation good. Uh, and so this creation itself is not inherently evil. There are philosophies and religions out there that will say the body is just 
just the shell. It's just the prison that we need to escape from. But that's not really a Christian perspective. Uh, God created us as uh, – can I use a big word? Sure. I'll define it. Sure. Psychosomatic beings. That is psycho, a, a, um, a soul, an invisible part, and then somatic, a body. And we, we were not created as spirits that just happen to indwell a body for some practical reasons, but nor are we merely a body that where there is no immaterial part. We are both of these things together at mm-hmm. the same time. That makes us who we are. And to emphasize one over another uh, is really not a, a Christian perspective on, on a human person. Uh, my body is a part of me, and my soul is part of me. And so these things together make me. So when we talk about death, uh, death is the um, un that was not planned that God did not ripping intend for apart. us to die, mm-hmm. but the ripping apart of uh, the soul in the body, and then what that means is each part of that is incomplete, and that's a proper understanding of Christian uh, death, and it should inform how we treat then the body itself. That is not just uh, uh, garbage or an incidental. Thing that happened to be associated with us for a season, it is an essential part of who we were and who we will be mm-hmm. as we get into the next area. Yeah, yeah. So what I'm hearing is that theologically, the the material world matters, mm-hmm. and because the material world matters, what our bodies, our bodies matter, matter, and they continue to matter even mm-hmm. as they decompose. Correct. Really. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And so then the next side of that is the uh, the eschatology or the yes, our the, hope, our hope mm-hmm. and our future hope and in, in, in what we are actually looking forward to. I know it is very, very popular out there in preaching. You hear it even at funerals of of um, we're all you know we're fully whole now and so and so has died and is now you know experiencing real life. Well, Biblically, theologically, that's not really completely accurate. It is very clear that uh, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, um, mm-hmm. and that's that's a great hope that we have. But that is not to be ended with a period, but with uh, an ellipses. Dot dot dot. There's more, and uh, I would direct us to First Thessalonians chapter four, thirteen through eighteen, which talks about, uh, look, we we do not grieve as we do grieve, but we don't mm-hmm. grieve as those who have no hope. Because we believe that Christ, when he returns, is going to raise the dead. And by that, it means literally he's going to raise up our physical remains, just as his body that was laid in the tomb came to life again, but glorified and uh, immortal and of a different higher quality. The same is true about the remains of uh, we believers. Uh, our bodies, what is, re- what is left of them, God has chosen to take that as as a seed, as it were, and raise up that body into new life, into the glorious body conformed to Christ's body. So, so not only is the does matter matter, mm-hmm. but so does uh, the body have a place in God's plan of redemption. Not ultimately annihilation, but rescuing that physical body, that physical part of us from death, and reuniting it with our spirit, and continuing on forever as glorified immortal, uh, psychosomatic, embodied beings. Uh, so that's part of the Christian hope. That needs to be communicated just as much as dying and going to heaven. Mm-hmm. Okay. And just when and you mentioned how 
people handle things in in funerals and in mourning Mm -hmm. and that kind of situation oftentimes we hear you know it it really is for the best they're in a better place Mm -hmm. that kind of thing and and you address the the material part of that but to me there seems like there's a treatment and an understanding there of death that may not quite line up with what we what Christians typically have believed, right. correct? Yeah, and what the Bible teaches is, um, last time I checked, it still says that death is the enemy, hmm. and it's the, the last enemy that will be ultimately defeated and eradicated. It's not a part of God's design that we were, were to die. Uh, so it's part of the fall, it's part of the curse, and so that's one thing that Christ has come to conquer, and He doesn't conquer it merely by when our body dies, our souls go to heaven uh, to be with Christ. That is that is part of it, and that is good news. I'm, I'm not going to deny that, um, but it's only half the story. The so mm-hmm. is it true that um, people who are suffering from a, a really painful illness and sickness, that when that suffering ceases at death and they are absent from the body and present with the Lord, they're in a, in a better – sure, Paul says it's – far better to be with Christ. That's the part of it that's the better, mm-hmm. being with Christ, clearly being with Christ. Nothing against you, but I would rather be sitting here with Christ. Oh, you know, know. It's, yeah. there's something great about that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and in, the, in contrast to the hope, uh, to the suffering and the pain and the death, there's something about being with Christ. But that doesn't make the pain and the death and things bad, uh, uh, good. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes we sloppily just say things like death is great, death is the door, death is merely a transition. No, death is the enemy. Something death is painful. In. No, yeah. it's not something we rejoice mm-hmm. in. We grieve, First Thessalonians 4 says, we grieve, but not as those who have no hope. And so we have to make sure that we don't call God's – or our enemy and God's enemy, death, uh, our friend. That's mm-hmm. – I think that's the main point. And uh, – that that's a lesson I learned here at seminary, mm-hmm. and you guys do a great job of kind of hammering away at that with us. And and it's a and it really is a paradigm shift from what mm-hmm. you're raised in, in, even in you know Christian environments, and and certainly in non-Christian environments, mm-hmm. how they speak of death and you know a peaceful place, that yeah. kind of thing. But something that always struck me is with the verse and with that in mind, we we grieve as those who who have. Hope, who are yeah. not without yeah, hope, right. mm-hmm. but we also grieve as those who recognize that something has just been ripped yes, and torn, yeah. and we, we grieve and recognize that this is not the way that things were supposed mm-hmm. to be. And so on a certain level, our grief can almost – I don't want to say it's deeper than other mm-hmm. people's grief, but it's, it's, a, it's a different kind of grief because yeah. it's a recognition of the brokenness of the world and Correct. how and and I feel like that's even honoring to the Lord and mm-hmm. because it's a recognition of the fact that death is so is right. evil and it's bad and it's mm-hmm. not what not our friend and mm-hmm. and so we grieve with hope but we also grieve with a deeper knowledge this of isn't the, the way it's supposed to be mm-hmm. yeah and to know for a fact which is this this trust this hope and confidence that this isn't the way it's meant to be and this isn't the way it's going to end. And being s- stuck in the middle there, that tension that that creates, it, it, unlike someone who just believes in the material world or says, well, you know, death is death, it's just something, it's the big ugly you need to get used to. Um, no, we don't have to get used to it. 
We battle against it. We battle against death and suffering and pain and injustice in this world because we know that's not what God values and what He wants. Mm -hmm. Okay, so with that theological, biblical Mm -hmm. foundation laid, we're going to move to um, the the question practical discussion yeah. yeah as to um how to christianly handle our dead mm-hmm. and how we <clears throat> handle that body and um, that matters and will continue to matter into the resurrection yeah. and the first question that i have and that has come up as i've had conversations with other people about mm-hmm. this is is does this when we're talking about how we handle the body does it impact the person's salvation? Does it impact their final resurrection? Are, are there going to be actual, right. you know, here's another big word, ontological right, right. It, things? Am I deciding something for my loved are one? There, yeah, there are going to be repercussions in the future, yes. right? Can I make the wrong decision and have yes. this person? No, um, no, that's never been the belief of, of the Christian faith, that, that um, you have very early, might surprise some some people watching this, that very early treatises on resurrection, and it's already in the second century, discussing at length the Christian view of the resurrection of the body, and the scenarios come up with, well, what if the person ends up, you know, dying in a fire and, and is annihilated by fire, or is dies at sea and is, mm-hmm. I mean, they really go into detail, you know, eaten by fish, and, and how is the resurrection going to happen? And I said, well, no. The God who can create everything out of nothing and and, and sustains this world um, can reconstitute a body uh, out of whatever may be left or may not be left. So uh, the promise is in resurrection. He chooses to, because he is a God of redemption, take whatever is there in as far as remains and and reconstitute, work that into his uh, process of glorification. Uh, so, so what happens to the body does not affect God's promise of resurrection. Um, there are, however, I will say, in light of what we believe about what a person is and in light of our future hope, um, more Christian ways, things that are, are, are better representatives of our Christian hope, I guess confessions of our faith in what God is doing than than others. So, it's so we more, should think about how we handle the body as more of a confession of correct. what we believe in rather having right. something truly and a testimony to others as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So with that settled, just yes. making sure because that's a big question for some people. It and is and that's a terrifying question if you haven't been, you know been instructed exactly. and through. And and also there have been, you know, Periods in history where they, where people thought that well, if we burn someone at the stake or burn their remains, that'll prevent them from being mm-hmm, resurrected. Yes, there yeah. were those ideas out there, but those aren't aren't really sustainable. <laughs> so it seems to me that there's three options, mm-hmm. at least here in America, in the research mm-hmm. that I did. Sure, <laughs> there yes. are three mm-hmm. options for um, handling the remains of a loved one. Right. And it really is burial, cremation, or donation. Correct. And so I think we should – Yeah. Well, the donation part is – it's very uncommon that someone wills their entire body to, say, science. Mm -hmm. People say, I'm going to leave my body to science. It's not common. Maybe it'll become more common. The the main decisions most people have for for loved ones is – burial or cremation mm-hmm. um, but I'm an o- organ donor mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I I don't know if anybody will want my organs afterwards or, or whatever but um, that's uh, that is something that people have to consider as mm-hmm. well um, but even then uh, if you're a or organ donor for instance there's still going to be 
uh, a decision that needs to be made with mm-hmm. with the rest of my physical remains. Yes, yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. All right, so let's start with burial mm-hmm. because that has, it seems, been historically the preferred, I guess, yeah. way to say, mm-hmm. uh, way that Christians have handled their loved ones and the bodies. So tell me yeah. a little bit about that. Yeah, and it varies, of course, from culture to culture. Mm-hmm. Most yes, washing yes. this are going to be in the North American culture. So um, we'll talk about that first, but I will make some other mentions because it does. we do need to realize our practices are unique, uh, especially, for instance, here we um, – the idea of burial is you're, you're lying a person in a state of rest, and that Paul talks about um, uh, don't mourn, you know, like those who have no hope, about those who have fallen asleep. And, mm-hmm. the, and that image of falling asleep implies one day they're going to awaken. And so it's a it's an important metaphor, and, and lying in repose and, and rest, that, that – that helps. It's the last image a person has, oftentimes, mm-hmm. uh, in a funeral, in a traditional funeral, uh, where the casket is closed and and we see a person at in, at peace and rest. Oftentimes, um, that's kind of an important. And then the, they're um, placed in the grave, and the idea is uh, as the, it comes from the Bible, as a seed is planted, one day that's going to come and be be resurrected. In America, the and that's the ancient. Tradition, um, mm-hmm. though not exactly like that throughout biblical history, especially uh, in America, we do embalming most of the time, um, which preserves the remains um, for much, much longer than traditionally in many countries. And uh, ancient times, uh, a a body was buried very quickly, mm-hmm. and then the process of uh, I don't want to get into a lot of detail, but decomposition. Um, reduces the body to its elements and and to bones, and then eventually uh, in a grave after about 50 to 100 years um, to really nothing. So there's not not much left at that time. Um, So that's the normal process that uh, is expected. In fact, if someone were to ask me, I would say I prefer it perhaps Mm -hmm. because of the long tradition and because of the the image of the the rest and repose that, that it portrays. Okay. This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Nine Lives and County, a bounty hunter's journey to faith, hope, and redemption, written by Dwayne Dog the Bounty Hunter Chapman. Nine Lives and Counting not only offers a fresh perspective on well-known life events, but also ventures into behind-the-scenes territory and backstories never shared publicly. Nine Lives and Counting is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Visit thomasnelson.com slash audio to learn more. What do you make of arguments that, um, I've seen some arguments where people say, well, the biblical examples were that people were buried, Mm -hmm. you know, such as Sarah and Abraham, and and Mm -hmm. so that's why we should do it. What do you think Um, of those arguments? That's okay. I think it's – 
they did that in contrast to the uh, a pagan disregard or disdain for the body, which was burning and getting rid of in ways that were not respectful to the body. It was more respectful. Um, but, then, but then you also have to take a look at the – reckon with the real history, uh, a body was often laid in a tomb or something, um, and it would decompose. The bones then were often collected and placed in a mm-hmm. common pit sometimes with the rest of the bones of the ancestors, and that and they lost the, in a sense, the distinct identity. They became kind of one with the, with the relatives. Um, sometimes the bones were literally folded up and placed in an ossuary, a, a container with a name on it, and retain the the identity. Um, we don't really do that, uh, even though you, archaeologists and others have show, shown this was a, a a practice in the, you know, early. Um, Hebrew, ancient Near Eastern customs, um, catacombs were also a common. So there are a lot of things that happened during biblical and New Testament times that we don't do. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything, all of the practices are are done in a certain culture in a certain context, mm-hmm. right? So um, I would say again, it's a it is the the clear example. Um, is it does that mean? It's the only option in our own culture and context. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a valid question. Yes. So the other option that most people have before them mm-hmm. would be cremation, and that and if you even search, yeah, Christianity or Christian cremation, something like that online, you will get a vast, large a, number of opinions. Yes, on that, definitely, and, and, and a lot of them are quite negative. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? Probably because of the biblical example, um, which which is understandable. It is an ancient and historic custom. Um, again, though, the practice is very different than than how we practice burial uh, with embalming and such uh, in in mm-hmm. the United States, anyway. Um, the, the so that's a main reason. Also, sometimes they'll they'll say that the process of of um, cremation is disrespectful to the body, and and I would encourage people. Um, we won't discuss it here, but I would encourage them to look into the different practices and uh, and what's involved, um, especially in their particular context. Uh, but the idea of burning something that in in scripture you burn. The, con- the, the condemned are burned and you know Hades mm-hmm. or Gehenna or or trash is burned and the associations there and so I get it and we do have to think about that that context um, on the other hand we have to be be honest in the in the end if you, if you were to practice a classic burial of a body in a in a grave um, after about 10 20 years you, you, the, the body is reduced to, to bones and after about 50 to 75 years or so, those bones are reduced to, to elements of the mm-hmm. basic elements. Um, and it is a process of um, ultimately oxidation to be, sorry to bring in technical terms like this, which is ultimately the same process that occurs in a cremation, except the cremation oxidation process takes one to two hours. Mm-hmm. And so in the end, what you have is roughly the same elements mm-hmm. of the body. And so now the question really, I think, is um, what are the motives behind it, and then what are you going to do with these remains that you have mm-hmm. have left? I think that's really the question. Cremation is not going to go away. No. Uh, in some countries, we've been so- talking mostly about the North American context, in some countries there really aren't options. Uh, 
cremation oftentimes is the only option mm -hmm. or um, uh, unless you're wealthy, rich, and can yes. afford uh, something else. So a much more affordable option. And there's yeah. a lot of – I think there – not mm -hmm. a lot, but there, there's also an argument out there that it's a greener option, mm -hmm. you know, and in sure. our day and concern about environment and that kind that, of thing. That, that is also a case uh, – um, a reality that um, the – the space, obviously, the process mm -hmm. is much more expensive. Um, I would say that that should be low down on our list of priorities as Christians. <laughs> how much you know, which is a cheaper cost? Mm -hmm. uh, but um, you know, the process of cremation itself is d does have some questions of of you know how green that is and, and hmm. some of the. the the products of that, uh, but in the end, the 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 remains um, that a person would preserve in an urn, for instance, um, there's very little regulation regard regarding those because they really aren't harmful. Mm -hmm. um, they are they are fairly neutral with regard to their, you know, they're not toxic, they're not dangerous, mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah. So, is it to possible preserve. to confess a belief in the physical bodily resurrection? Mm -hmm. And practice cremation. Yes, it, I think it is. It's uh, in the same way that. Um, l let me give you, uh, I guess, a personal example. My uh, when I was a young young child, I was five years old. I had an older brother who passed away from uh, leukemia. He was eleven, and my parents bought a, a plot uh, of of land um, for burial, and he had a traditional burial. And uh, at the same time, I'm not exactly sure why they did this, but they they basically bought plots for mom and dad right next to hmm. the, the same plot so um the the clearly the traditional burial is confessing there's a future for these remains this is there's a name here a memorial and we are confessing that this what is here is related to that person mm -hmm. it is that part of that person um my father recently passed away and uh the, my parents had since moved to arkansas and obviously, um, to get the remains from Arkansas to Minnesota, where my brother is buried, that's fairly complicated. Yeah. And so my father and mother chose to have his remains cremated and then transported up to Minnesota mm. to be interred in the grave. In that process, in the end, we are still treating those remains as these are the remains of my father. Uh, they are being buried. The identity is being preserved, mm -hmm. just like his son who's buried will be buried next to him. Um, and in both cases, by attaching an identity to those remains, for as long as that memorial remains, um, we are confessing that this is related to that person and there's a future. Mm -hmm. It is an act of confession of faith, retaining the identity. So I would, number one, I would say um, it is probably best Christian practice to retain the identity of those remains, whether mm -hmm. it's cremation okay. or burial. Okay. Now, what are some ways – so let's say a Christian family did choose a cremation mm -hmm. option, and they were seeking to preserve – the identity mm -hmm. so that would eliminate certain things that seem that you know you yeah see very common in vogue yes spreading ashes pouring yes. ashes in rivers or lakes i have heard christians doing that as well um 
I sometimes wonder if they've thought through it very carefully, or they're honoring the wishes of a of a, mm-hmm. a person who is deceased that that wanted that. Um, most of the time, as I've been able to engage or share things I've written on this uh, with families facing this decision, uh, they back away from that. The practice of dis- distributing ashes or mm-hmm. pouring them. This was more kind of a confession of a. Uh, not a Christian worldview where the body just recycles, you know, we just mix it in and We're it recycles with the creation mm-hmm. and it's more of a pantheistic confession mm-hmm. that you see in the Eastern religions. As they're exposed to a better doctrine of the body and our hope of resurrection, most Christians will back away from the the idea of just simply distributing or disposing of that kind of language of the remains. Um, but now what do you do? Mm-hmm. Right, That's the question. Yeah. With these with these remains, um, an urn with a name on it on it is is that's one step. Sometimes it just stays there, and the urn is done. They, they pull it put it somewhere. Um, my father in law in Germany was um, cremated and then buried in a plot. That's very common for Christians. So there is a uh, an identity marker, that person's identity, but the the remains. It's a little bit smaller. Bought mm-hmm. and those remains are preserved that way. Uh, those are the main options. Um, I would caution again. God is going to resurrect whatever. Mm-hmm. We're not endangering someone's <laughs> physical salvation, but uh, as a confession of faith and resurrection, retaining the identity of the remains in some sort of burial or interment of some sort is better. I think. Okay, so that leads us to donation. Uh huh. Yep. And. Um, there's really, as you talked about in the beginning, there's really two Mm -hmm. situations. Um, there's the donation of organs and for the sake of another's health. And then there is, it's just a general donation of one's body to science. Mm -hmm. And, um, let's do, let's talk about the, the general donation first. Okay. Of the whole body? Uh, Yes. Okay. Yes. What are your thoughts on that? And because I, as you know, as we've discussed with the cremation, if if the idea is to keep an identity linked, that would be where I would I would question that. Yeah. And, and I, but at the same time, it's it is still valuing the body mm-hmm. in in a sense. In a sense and yeah. so I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I. Uh, Again, it's it's hard for me to make decisions for other people. I think um, personally, yes, yeah. again, based on everything we've just said about the Christian's confession of the body, oftentimes people who flippantly, sometimes jokingly say, "Ah, just donate my body to science," you hear that. Um, that it it often is the effect of a of a a view of the body that is not quite Christian, that that it is just disposable, it is just whatever practically is best. Uh, so if it's motivated by that, I want to challenge that that belief about the body. Uh, and then that might lead some people to, to maybe want their body treated in a way that confesses its value and, and resurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, there is uh, There are others who will say, look, if people can get Learn something and help others through research with the body. That's that's great. Um, sometimes, though, I mean, you sometimes lose control of what what will ultimately happen. Mm-hmm. And, and some of the things that are done with human bodies that are donated to science are um, not what what we would call treating the body with dignity. And and, and they may be genuine scientific pursuits. 
Um, but I would I would challenge people to to explore that, research that, mm-hmm. and ask: Is this is this potential use of this body um, showing dignity? Is it is it confessing uh, what we believe about about the person's identity and that relationship to that body or not? And uh, I don't want to get into it. Some of them can get pretty pretty gross discussing mm-hmm. uh, what what happens sometimes in forensic labs and things like yeah. this. Uh, so I would I would generally caution against it and and for me personally that wouldn't really be an option mm-hmm. and it seems that that's more of a that's a personal decision sure. more than what you would be making for for another person for another right. person yes yeah you, that you should be would never have that vi- let me just say again and we'll probably say it again too but it is good to make your wishes known yes so that they don't have to make emotional decisions or uninformed decisions and uh, let your loved ones know what your preference would be mm-hmm. so when it would come to donating one's organs, organs correct mm-hmm. then it seems that that you know you're able to help people but you're right it seems that there would still be remains Mm-hmm. to honor and still make a sort of confession. Yeah, almost always they're going to be um, remains of the remains. So it's uh, a, a heart donation or um, lung or some different organs that are donated for the sake of someone else. And, and uh, my, my wife is a nurse and used to work at a heart-lung transplant floor. And uh, I know many people, many of us know people who have been on donor lists waiting for um, you know donations and and you can it through a person's death um, provide uh, prolonged life for someone else um, as I said I, I kind of tip my hand I am an organ donor mm-hmm. and uh, if if uh, that happens I I feel uh, um, okay about that uh, in the end even those organs are going to die uh, mm-hmm. uh, but we still have to make the decision now with the rest of the body what's going to happen, um, burial or cremation. Mm-hmm. If somebody were looking for some sort of resources on this, mm-hmm. where would you send them? Have you found any? Uh, you said you've written a little bit on it. You faced mm-hmm. a little bit with your own family situations. Sure. You, are there are there places to look? Um, th- I probably should have come with some. I'm I'm not aware of any ready, what good treatments that I would say are um, thorough and and balanced. I suppose I do have a, a little essay online that I've done, just just basic couple mm-hmm. count points and counterpoints, and I, and I land kind of where I where I'm describing here. There's you really do have those two options. The question is, what do you do with the remains uh, afterwards? Um, really, is the question the question. Um, the I would say consult with um, your your pastor, your mm-hmm. leader uh, of the church, and and counseling, de- determining what what they're comfortable with. Um, I would say also explore um, the processes so that you're not making uninformed decisions. Uh, also, a robust theology of the body and a proper understanding of uh, our future hope, being resurrection as well. Uh, those things, I think, um, uh, I'm not sure could fill a whole book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so and, I don't know if I would. Maybe that's why it seems maybe, like it's a right, little bit of a right it's, of a gap. Is it's a little bit yeah, more than more a of, blog post. It's but more of a, less a, than brochure, a book. <laughs> multi, multi-page brochure to kind of give you yeah. the. And in the end, you can't make a decision for someone else. Now there are religious traditions where the decision is made for you if you're part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then obviously that's 
to be considered and respected. Uh, most of the time in, in the United States, we have to make that decision as a family. Mm-hmm. So just kind of to wrap it up, mm-hmm. we when we're seeking to think Christianly about death and handling the remains of our loved ones, we need to recognize that the material world matters. Mm-hmm that we do not mourn as those without hope, right. but we do mourn as those who recognize that something has been broken mm-hmm. and ripped in a proper theology of the body. Uh, but we also recognize that there are legitimate ways to handle right. um, the remains of our loved ones beyond burial, as long as there are certain steps that are Mm -hmm. taken, confessional steps Mm -hmm. that are taken. And and I feel like you're saying predominantly that would be identifying, making sure that the remains are identified. Is there anything else? Yeah, I would say that's true. confession? Um, Yeah, identifying the remains because you're confessing, no, this this person, this is that person, part of that person, Mm -hmm. and there's a future hope for that person. And um, confessing that through either a burial marker or or some other means you know ideally i counsel if someone is needs to be cremated for whatever reason or is cremated chooses that um uh, i keep the remains identified and then inter that person's remains in a plot that is marked that would be my preference uh if if a person chooses cremation um the uh and also i would add to that um be aware that a lot of these questions um Options are either expanded or limited depending on where you are in the world and what mm-hmm. the circumstances of a person's death might be. And so you need to think about that as well. And in my wife's home country of Germany, um, it's very, very, very expensive to purchase a plot that lasts forever. You lease a plot and they don't embalm. And, and after about 50 years, they, they basically bury someone else there. And, and that's unheard of for us here. Mm-hmm. But realize that the dis- questions and, and decisions you make are going to be cha- different depending on where you are, even in, in our own country. And so keep that in mind as well. Christianity and thinking biblically and theologically about that offers that kind of flexibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, and, coming and at it with some principles. And we right. enforce this one view. Right, correct. <clears throat> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us and for suggesting this topic. I think and I hope it will be really helpful for people who are either just thinking about the the topic or, you know, are really facing it and having to think through it in the midst of having to deal with some other things as well. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for everybody who's listening. And if you have any topics that you would like to suggest, please feel free to email us at thetable at dts.edu. Again, that's thetable at dts.edu. And please join us next time as we discuss issues of God and culture. Thanks for listening to The Table Podcast. For more podcasts like this one, visit dts.edu slash the table. Dallas Theological Seminary. Teach truth. Love well. This episode is brought to you in part by Ministry Pivot with Russell St. Bernard. This podcast features important conversations with industry leaders such as Nona Jones, Bishop Walter Scott Thomas, Reverend Dr. Nicole Martin, and so many more. Visit ministrypivot.com or on all streaming platforms.